0: that we can come into your presence on this day. We do love you and we honor you and we worship you. And I pray that you'd surround us in the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd help us to focus in on you and your word in this time that we have together and let all that we do and say bring you glory, honor, and praise. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to preach your word to your people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I have a confession to make, and that is uh, probably for the last week or so, I've been in a really grumpy mood. Does anybody ever get grumpy? I mean, I might be the only person that uh, ever gets grumpy... But, you know, I, I've, been, I've been reasonably grumpy. Uh, and, and thankfully, over the years, I've learned a lot of self-control because uh, sometimes in my grumpiness, I can say things or do things that are rather unpleasant. So, you know, so I just kind of zero in, and Karen has learned uh, over the years, you know, to, to recognize the signs and just kind of leave me alone uh, because I'm, I'm one of those internal grumpy processors. Uh, and you don't want to interrupt me uh, in the pr- in, in the process of processing my grumpiness, and, and unfortunately, I'm still not there. You know, I, I'm I'm still working through that. And yesterday was an especially grumpy day for me for a number of reasons. I think part of it was uh, we took uh, Io, one of uh, the young women that used used to work here, uh, we took her off to university in Cardiff. And you know, anytime I drive on the M4, that makes me grumpy. And saying goodbye to Ios made me grumpy. And dealing with London traffic makes me grumpy. And there's a, you know, so there's a lot of grumpy. And yesterday was a really, really grumpy day. And so it's been a, a lot of effort and energy to process that grumpiness so you can pray for me because I'm still working through it and, and, and trying to get through it. And I know, again, that I'm probably the only person that ever goes through something like this. Uh, but uh, but you know, I, I'm working on it. And maybe one day I'll be a good little Christian boy and uh, be able to overcome this. And I think, you know, what I've discovered here is that as time goes on, it gets there are more things to make us grumpy. I don't know what it is, you know? It just seems like there are more things to make us grumpy in this world than, than there was. I, I'm really grumpy about Brexit right now. Uh, not so much about Brexit itself, but about how much people are talking about it. You know, you just want it to be over. You know, it's, it, most people just—it's like surgery. Okay, just take the appendix out and get it over with. Don't talk to me for three years about the appendix before it comes out because it kind of makes it worse. And 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 so I think we're all in this. You find that. As we get older, as time goes on, there just seems to be more things to make us grumpy. And probably that's exacerbated by, by the Facebook and things like that and Twitter. You know, when everybody can express their collective grumpiness, uh, you know, we've all known that the, the trains have not been on time for, you know, how many, how many decades has that been an issue? It's been an issue here. We know that, but now it seems worse because everybody can share every single time the train is late. Uh, And so all of this is going on and so we're living in this context that I think sometimes it makes it a real challenge to live as Christians. And when we read the first few verses that we did uh, like we did last week and we realize that Jesus has given us everything we need for life and godliness, we kind of think, okay, that's great and maybe I just need to sit back and, and soak it in finally and maybe finally I will catch it And then it will always, you know, then then I'll have everything together. And that's why it's important to read this entire text together because life and godliness in Jesus Christ, even though it's a gift and even though God has given us already every single resource that we need for life and godliness, at the same time, Peter tells us very clearly uh, in the text as we began reading today, he says, He says this, for this very reason, because you have been given everything you need for life and godliness, because you have the promises of Christ over your life, because you have the blessing, because you know where you're going to go, you know that God has a hope and a future for you, you know that you'll spend eternity with the Lord in a new heaven and a new earth, you know all of these promises for this very reason, he says, make every effort, So even though God has given us everything, there are times where, and actually it's every single day, where we are to make every effort in living out that Christian life. Yesterday, because it was a a grumpy day for me, it was hard to be a Christian. It was hard to live out my faith. But that's exactly what I had to do. And that's exactly what I struggled to do. And and I hope that for the most part, I did it reasonably well. Although it wasn't my finest moment, nor was it probably my worst moment. It was the reality. And the reality is, in the city that we're living in, in the world that we're living in, we have to make every effort to supplement our faith. We have everything we need, and we have to believe that. We have a faith of equal standing to the apostles. We are in Christ Jesus. We are united with Christ. We're in union with Christ. We have all the blessings of Christ. All of that is given to us. We don't have to work for any of it. It all comes by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit as a free gift a free gift of life that Jesus Christ paid for when he died on the cross. We all have that, but that then doesn't mean that we're going to coast along. And a lot of Christians, they get upset because they think, okay, if I have everything, then it's not going to be hard. If I have everything, it won't be an effort. If I have everything, it won't be a struggle. But Peter is saying here very clearly that you're going to have to work at this. That it is going to be a hard thing. It is going to be a struggle. But you do that realizing you have every resource you need to live to be a godly person. You have that all already in Christ Jesus through knowledge of Him. You have the foundation. You're saved by grace through faith. There's no works that are going to make you more righteous. There are no works that are going to make you more holier. But at the same time, you make every effort to supplement your faith but we have to be careful. What do we supplement our faith with? That's what Peter says. And it's interesting that it progresses in the way that it does, and I think it's very important. It's not an accident. So for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, first of all, with virtue. Now, the word virtue here is the same word um, that, um, that he uses up here uh, a little bit um, Uh, In verse, uh, there it is, I I lost it there, at the end of verse 3. By his own glory and excellence. It's that word excellence, the word virtue. What it means is moral excellence. It means living as a moral person, living as an upright person before the Lord. So it's about doing good and being good and living a moral lifestyle. Come on, we're all surrounded by this. Probably many of us in our our workplaces are surrounded by many temptations toward immorality. Many temptations toward not being excellent in who we are, excellent in our integrity. Many temptations to compromise just a little bit. And Peter says, so if you've got faith, then make every effort to supplement your faith with this excellence, this moral excellence that reflects... The moral excellence of Jesus. A number of years ago, it was very popular to say, What would Jesus do? WWJD with a question mark. And we had bracelets and we had t shirts and all of that. And actually, that's not a bad question to ask in any given situation. What would Jesus do right now? Would Jesus pick up the first stone to cast at the woman? What would he do? And so we we seek after this moral excellence, the excellence of Jesus, and that's our standard. So we make every effort to supplement our faith with excellence, and this excellence with knowledge. And remember, knowledge here is an intimate knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge of our faith. It's an intimate knowledge of the way God does things. It's an intimate knowledge of the world. So we want to be morally excellent but we don't stop there. We want to increase our knowledge because the more we know, if we combine that with moral excellence, the more effective we can be. The more we we know the knowledge, the skills, the things like that that we have, when we supplement that, put that on top of our moral excellence, that helps us to have an impact almost everywhere we go, in the workplace, in our communities, everywhere around us. And then add on top of the knowledge, self-control. And this is one of the hardest ones. You know, self-control is really the only biblical form of control. You control yourself, but you can't control other people. And we have to exercise self-control. There were a few times yesterday where it was very difficult for me to exercise self-control. Where people would say something or do something that was rude... And it was very hard for me not to respond in anger or with some kind of rudeness on my, on my own. But we have to have that self-control. And notice how these qualities, and it's so important for us to get this, these qualities are not church qualities. These qualities are real-world living qualities. You can use moral excellence You can use knowledge. You can use self-control. And those three things by themselves will make you more effective in business. Those three things will make you more effective in the marketplace. One of the things that that I often encourage people is I say what you need is discipline and focus. And that's what self-control is all about. Learning how to discipline yourself and focus yourself. But it doesn't come naturally. We have to make an effort for it. So we add, on top of knowledge, we add self-control. And on top of self-control, then, we add steadfastness. Now, what a steadfastness is, it's continuing to do what you're supposed to do, even if you don't feel like it. There are a lot of Sunday mornings, I, I have to admit, there are a lot of Sunday mornings when, when that clock alarm clock goes off at 6 o'clock and I know that I've had a bad night's sleep the night before because the enemy has disrupted it, and we get partiers on our street or something like that, and they wake me up in the middle of the night, and so I haven't gotten a good night's sleep, and it comes on at six o'clock. I tell you, the last thing I want to do is get up and go to church. It's hard. It's not easy to do that, but I choose to do it. I had an elder in my first church, and and, and like all, all elders with children, the children complain about going to church. And he told me the story one time. His uh, 13-year-old daughter, uh, she got up and said, Dad, I just don't, want, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to church today. You know, I'm old enough. You know, Can't I stay home? And she was just kind of going on and on and being whiny, uh, as only sometimes a 13-year-old can be in that annoying kind of way. And, uh, uh, and he just looked at her. And he said... What day is this? She said, Sunday. He said, what do we do on Sundays? We go to church. That was it. She went and got dressed, went to church. And he could do that because he was steadfast in doing it. He kept doing it. He was consistent and persistent and persevering and all of that combined is this whole concept of steadfast. Many times we lose out because of our lack of steadfastness. And it's, one of, it's very hard. It is very, very, very difficult. So you see how all these things build together. So on self-control, you add steadfastness. On your steadfastness, then you add godliness. Now notice where it comes in the list many of us would think okay godliness should be the first thing in the list but the first thing in the list was the moral excellence of jesus then it came godliness and godliness is really just godlikeness it's reflecting the image and nature of god now i think one of the reasons why it's at this point in time in the list is that so often we have Christians who don't have the other things, who don't have the excellence, who don't have the the steadfastness, who don't have the self-control, who are trying for godliness, and they come off as holier than thou, and they put people off of God rather than draw people to God. But if you have these other qualities and you're building on them, this godliness, this godlikeness, this determination to be holy and righteous before God with an orientation toward God, is absolutely essential. So we have the godliness there, and then on top of godliness, we add brotherly affection. And this this is brotherly love. This is brotherly kindness. This is the way, in the best sense of the word, that we treat our family members. Now clearly, Peter wasn't talking about the way that I treated my little sister when I was 12 and she was 6 which wasn't really often filled with brotherly affection, Uh, but he's talking about family relationships and he's talking about showing grace and mercy and kindness to all people, not just those that are close to you. Treating all people with that grace, mercy, and kindness. And then once you're doing that, then you add on top of that love, and this is that agape love, this self-giving commitment to other people for their benefit. Now notice how this builds up, but notice that what Peter said at the beginning is absolutely true all the way through, and that is we have to make every effort to grow in this. If we don't, we won't. But if we do, we will, Because not because we do it right, not because we do it well, but because Jesus has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So that means we can grow in these things if we make the effort. Jesus has already enabled us to do it, which gives us the sense that it can be done. It's not like going and saying, Rod, go out and run a marathon tomorrow. I know that I can't run a marathon tomorrow. But, you know, if Jesus gave me a car, I could drive a marathon pretty easily. And that's effectively what Jesus has done for us. The world says run a marathon. Jesus says, here, let me give you a lift. Jump in and I'll take you. All we have to do is make the effort to go along the pathway and Jesus will guarantee that we'll get there. And then there's this promise here and he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. So not only can these qualities be ours, but they can increase and that is God's goal for us that all of our life these qualities will increase as we make every effort on the basis of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. If they increase they keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful in our knowing of Jesus Christ. So if you really want to make a difference in your life, if you want your life to count, if you want to bear fruit in your life, what Peter is saying, you'll do these things. You'll make the effort. Because if you make the effort, Peter is saying, it's worth it. Even though things might not always be easy and maybe they won't work out exactly like you want them to, if you build on these things in your life on the foundation of what Christ has done for you, you will bear fruit. You will be effective. Your life will make a difference. But at the same time, he says, if you lack the qualities, you're blind. You've forgotten what Jesus has done for you. So this is how we live. Even in the midst of our grumpiness, Even in our midst of our struggle, we remember all that Christ has done for us. We remember that He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. But then we add to that, making every effort to see these qualities build up in our lives. And that is the key for our fruitfulness, and that is the key for our bringing glory and honor to Jesus, the glory and honor that He deserves. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your encouragement and for your challenge. I pray, Father, that you would show each of us what we can do this week to begin building these things in our lives. How do we need to make the effort to see these qualities increase? And help us to do that faithfully until until we see this progress, until we see this growth. We love you and we praise you and we worship you. Through Jesus Christ, amen.